So this whole month, we're talking about making you rich. Isn't it sweet to be able to say that in a nice group? Really, the idea is, and I, and I absolutely believe it's true, that our center prospers, that we as a spiritual community prosper, when it's individuals prosper. I think it's just as simple as that. When you are feeling confident at your own lives, when you know that you are blessed, when you know that you are financially secure, when you know that the, the freedom that comes with really knowing that your finances, your, your love life, you know, all of the areas of abundance in your life, when you feel good about it, I know that it shows in your spiritual community as well. And so this month, I've chosen this book, The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity by Edwin Gaines, to help us highlight some of the spiritual tools that we have for making our lives more fundamentally secure, more fundamentally financially free. And I have to tell you, this week, I kind of scratched my head a little bit. Up until now, all of the chapters in this book absolutely just laid down one after another, kind of like domino tiles in my mastermind of how I picture abundance works, right? And this week, I kind of went, really? Edwin, really? <laughs> and it's not that I don't think that the topic of forgiveness isn't an absolutely bona fide and wonderful spiritual tool, because I totally do it is. I totally know it is. And in fact, we did a whole book, a whole series on forgiveness last year. But I'm thinking, Edwin, forgiveness and prosperity? It's like, how does this work? All right. Well, I know one place it can start. Let's talk about forgiveness kind of in the human realm here by way of one of my corny jokes. All right. So a minister parked his car in a no parking zone. And you know, and I haven't tried this before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this and see if it works. A minister parked his car in a no parking zone in a large city because he was short of time and he couldn't find a space with a meter. So he put a note on the windshield wiper that read, I've circled the block 10 times. If I don't park here, I'm going to miss my appointment. Please forgive our trespasses. When he returned, he found a citation from a police officer along with this note. I've circled this block for 10 years. And if I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> All right, so on to forgiveness and how forgiveness actually plays a part in our ability to give and receive, how forgiveness works into this idea of financial freedom. And you know, Edwin Gaines puts it actually very simply. She says, now think about someone who is holding grudges. Think about someone who has a lot of resentment. Think about someone that has um, high judgments around everything that's going on around them. Think of someone who has put themselves firmly in a place of victimhood, knowing that her surroundings, you know, knowing that the people around him or her, uh, you know, that knowing that society, knowing whatever it is, you know, has the evil <laughs> vibes coming down on them, firmly keeping them in victimhood. And she says, when you have imagined this man or woman, what you are imagining is a closed heart. It's as simple as that. She said over time, those feelings of resentment, those feelings of put, being put upon, those feelings of, of judgment of others, they are going to, little by little by little, make your heart smaller and harder and more closed. 
And her entire thesis is, when we have a closed heart, it's as though we have a stop sign up in front of the entire world. It is literally impossible for us to receive love, to receive joy, to receive you know, any sense of our own self-worth and self-importance, and certainly it's impossible for us to receive our good as well in the form of money. Here's the way she says it. And I was really struck by this. She says simply, if we refuse to forgive, we are clinging to self-defeating feelings such as guilt, shame, blame, hurt, and resentment. And when we do this, we cannot feel worthy of having the best that God has to offer. We cannot and will not be able to accept God's gifts. It's as simple as that. And that's really her thesis statement. And then she goes on to say, with this closed heart, how do we move forward? How can we make a difference? And what I was delighted to find was, she says, the first steps towards forgiveness, the first steps towards opening your heart are as simple as, well, and I say simple as, and maybe this is up for discussion. Maybe maybe after the service, some of you are going to come up to me and say, yeah, really simple, Larry. But she says it's to simply drop our judgments. Some of you are already nodding out there. And if you think about it, what is it that caused the resentments to begin with? What is it that caused our heart perhaps to harden around the idea of someone external to ourselves to begin with? And it's the idea of us standing in judgment around a person, around an idea, around a place, around an institution that we think has wronged us. We are in judgment saying that this person is wrong, this idea is wrong, this group of people is wrong, I'm suffering it for it, and they are therefore bad people. It's It's as simple as that idea of judgment. They did something that I didn't like, they did something that wasn't part of my plan. It may have even hurt me directly or indirectly, and so therefore they should not be forgiven. She says we simply have to drop this idea of judgment. And she illustrates it with a beautiful story that I'm going to share with you. So when Edwin Gaines was in high school, her grandmother lived with her, a nice elderly woman. Well, and Edwin says, that's the problem, is I viewed her as a lovely and beautiful and genuine loving person. She said, but what the, the, the story is, so after dinner, they would turn on the television set and watch the news. And story after story, um, when it would come up that you know maybe a prostitute had been arrested or or someone had been put in jail for uh, committing a felony or you know whatever the news item was on their local channel, the grandmother would fold her arms and say something like, uh, "Well, damn her, she deserves it," or she would say something like. Uh, well, I hope he pays his price for stealing that car or whatever it was in a very judgmental way. And of course, uh, you know, Edwin looking up to her grandmother as, you know, that, that sort of wonderful grandmother image was really at odds with this. And she, so she was puzzling, you know, how can I approach grandma and like tone this down a little bit, you know, standing in judgment like that does not seem like her. And so she did this rather clever thing. I think she was a senior in high school, and in one of her classes, they had discussed reincarnation. So she approached her grandmother with this. She said, Grandma, some people believe that what we condemn in this life 
will condemn ourselves to experience in the next life. You know that idea of karma? <laughs> I know, some of you were thinking, wow, what a manipulative high schooler. <laughs> but, but listen to the rest of the story, because it's great. So Grandma's eyes got bigger, and then almost in an instant, Grandma got it. Grandma realized that this hardening of her own heart to others was bound to have an effect on her. It wasn't so much that the, she suddenly decided that you know prostitution was a good thing or that, or that if people were robbing each other, this was a good thing. She didn't change her attitude around what they were doing, but what she realized was there was God in them as well. No matter what they were doing out in the world that she disapproved of, and she realized that she could disapprove of their actions, right? and not condemn them. And so, so, um, so Edwin was very interested. So the next day, after Grandma's eyes got really big, the news comes on, and it's a story about prostitution once again and how they've brought in a whole series of, of, of streetwalkers, I think they called them back in, and they even had photos of them. It was part of some campaign of embarrassing them into changing their, their profession or something. And her grandmother folded her arms and simply said, God bless their hearts. It's like she really got this. She really understood that her judgment certainly wasn't doing them any good, and her judgment was really hurting her. Her judgment was trying to put her in that place of a closed heart. And so what I'm asking us all to start doing today is really think about when we're staying in that place of judgment, to really notice when we condemn people, really notice when we put people down, and especially those close to us, I think. Oftentimes, we think in our own heart that our condemning or criticism of the people close to us somehow is a helping thing. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, well, if only she knew that this was the wrong thing to do. And I'll, of course, I'll tell her the right way to do it. I'll tell her how to raise her children. You know, I'll tell him how he should behave as a father. I'll explain to him, right? But we're doing it so in the position of, you're doing it wrong. I'm judging you to be wrong. And when we do that, first of all, we're not really helping them. I would put to you that advice, if you want to call it advice, if judgments like that are virtually never acted upon. And I would bet your own experiences when you say things like people rush right in to defend their way, you know, well, that is too the way I want to raise my children, and you butt out, you know, that is too the way I want to do this, and you stay out of it. And I don't blame them. It really is, in a sense, none of our business how they choose to do things if it doesn't directly harm us. So by simply being more aware of the judgments we have and think of them perhaps now as simply opinions that by and large we can even keep to ourselves, right? We may not have to agree with everything that's going on in the world. I certainly don't. But what I know is God has given us all the right of free will. We all have the ability to make our own way in the world. And so I, for one, am going to try to emulate Edwin Gaines's grandmother. And when something goes on that I really am not liking, I think 
I mean, of course, I'm going to keep myself safe. If it's something that directly pertains to me, if something that someone else is doing is unsafe for me or my family or whatever, I'm going to act on that, absolutely. But in terms of my reaction to them as a person, as another of God's creatures, I'm just going to say, well, bless their hearts. It's probably the best they know how to do. It's probably how they were raised. It's probably just a mistake that they're making. And I really hope that they learn a better way of doing that. But God bless their hearts. The other thing that Edwin Gaines says, uh, in addition to the fact that this closeness of our heart, this, this uh, uh, sort of ironclad shield we're putting on our hearts when we stand in judgment, she said the other thing that we often don't even think about is how much time and effort and energy holding resentments has. Now, has anyone here ever known someone who was constantly kind of reliving the past? You know, in that place of, of victimhood, perhaps, or, or in that place of going, you know, if only I had done things with my first husband better, you know, I, you know, I'd have more money now and I'd be happier now. If only I would have said something different when the boss stormed into my office that day, I'd still have that job. And if only, if only this were different and only that were different. And you know, what's really scary is every now and then you'll run across someone that it's the same story every time you talk to them for years. Okay, now it's been kind of fun talking about people that we know. What about ourselves? And I'm going to throw out, I'm going to throw out an idea th that I hope, I hope will illustrate this point really well. So what were you doing around 7 p.m. on June 17, 1994? I bet I know what at least half of you were doing. You were watching TV. And in particular, around 7 p.m. on June 17, 1994, you were watching a white Ford Bronco. <laughs> right? Remember the slow speed, high speed car chase with the helicopters and the over 1,200 reporters following them in vans and things like that? Remember the whole O.J. Simpson thing that went on for mo literally months and days and hours? And I put it to you, did we not as an entire nation wrap up enough judgment on this to keep the whole planet alive for months? Think about it. Think of the amount of electricity that the television stations were using. Think of the amount of gasoline that people were using to trail not only poor O.J. Simpson, and I say poor O.J. Simpson not from the idea that somehow I think he's innocent or not innocent or anything like that, but just to have that intense level of judgment on a person, guilty or innocent, and then we extended it to the lawyers and people living in his guest house and people in the car with him and all of us had our own pet ideas of who was wrong and who was right and how it was going to outplay. We used up a significant part, and I, I'm guilty as well, of our lives. We literally, didn't we lose like a month of our lives? <laughs> Best case scenario, over something that was none of our business. Now, of course, being enlightened, such as myself, <laughs> I, 
I wasn't condemning O.J. Simpson, but what was I doing? I was condemning the media for, for drawing this on every night when I went to watch my favorite TV show, and oh God, now it's the trial, you know? <laughs> Who am I condemning? I wasn't really doing a much better job. I mean, I wasn't, uh, you know, condemning him or, 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 or the facts of the case, but instead, it, it, if you will, I was condemning America for somehow holding on to this thing for so long. I was in no better shoes. My condemnation was just as sharp, just as biting, just pointed in another direction. And absolutely it hardened my heart. I, I mean, I, thinking back on it right now, I can actually feel those feelings of anger and disappointment. Now, whether it's someone you know, whether it's someone you have never even met before, when we are presented with circumstances and situations that don't directly affect us and we stand in our place of judgment, we are using our time poorly. Edwin Games says, the other reason we must forgive is simply a matter of time. Judgment and resentment are the thoughts that unbidden tend to swirl around our heads. We replay old scenes. We wonder what would have happened if things were different. In other words, a good part of our time and energy is spent on holding on to these resentments and judgments. Time that could be held instead focusing on what we want to have happen. Time instead focusing on things that would bring joy and love and life and yes, even abundance into our lives. And so to summarize today, the two reasons that we can't afford to not forgive, the two reasons that we can't afford to release our judgments, one, we can't afford to have a closed heart. We need to be able to feel love. We need to be able to receive our good. We need to be able to have that freedom in our hearts and in our minds to recognize our good when it pops up and to receive it, to outstretch our arms, to meet it halfway. And we can't do that with a closed heart. And finally, we can't afford to give up that much time. We cannot afford to use up the, the God-given time that we have on holding the past so firmly. We need to live for today. We need to understand that our today is more important than anything that could have happened in the past. All right, so a little bit of homework for this week. I'd like you to evaluate situations and people that are circling around in your brain. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. The little, uh, one person described it one time to me as one of those wheels that a hamster runs in. So do you ever have that hamster mind where, where a thought of the past or a thought of a situation goes over and over again and you think about, well, I really should have done this or I really wish he would have done that or if only she would have taken this opportunity or whatever it is. I want you, if you're willing, to just simply notice one of those hamster wheels and when it goes off and then I would like you to examine it to see if there is judgment involved because I bet it is I bet you have made some judgment about how you were treated or what went wrong or something like that and it is holding on to you like a vice 
And I think that once you realize that you have some control over your thoughts, once you realize that you're the hamster, (laughs) I think it will be ever so much easier to put that aside, to just drop that judgment, to simply say, if you can, God bless their hearts. God bless their hearts. So I'd like to close with a prayer today. And we've been using this wonderful prayer from Ernest Holmes. It's in the, in the back of Living the Science of Mind. And I'd like to do it again as call and response. So I'll call out uh, a line and then you repeat it back to me. Are we good? All right. Good and more good is mine. Good and more good is mine. And ever increasing good is mine. And ever increasing good is mine. There is no limit to the good which is mine. Everywhere I go, I see this good. I feel it. I experience it. It crowds itself against me. It flows through me. It expresses itself in me. And it multiplies itself around me. Good and more good is mine. Thank you very much. Thank you.